We have a new uh, series for this month. Can you believe it? We're in the fifth month of the year already, right? Partners with God. Partners with God. What an awesome uh, series it's going to be that, that uh, we're going to be able to glean some guidance and direction on how God wants to partner with us, how God just not want, only wants to just uh, be a part of our lives, but he wants to partner with us in every aspect and every portion of our lives. In 1837, there was these two sisters, Olivia and Elizabeth, and they were each married to entrepreneurs, William and James, right? William was Olivia's husband, and he was a candle maker. And James, he was married to Elizabeth, and he made uh, soap. Now, both of these businesses, they had one thing in common, is that they used the same raw materials. They both used animal fat and oil to make the candles and to make the soap. And uh, so, in a sense, they were both competitors for the same raw materials. And... Uh, their father-in-law, he, he recognized that and realized that they had this, this commonality, and he encouraged them. He says, why don't you guys go into business together? Why don't you form a partnership? Why don't you uh, join forces? And that way you're not competing for the same materials, but uh, you can uh, purchase them, secure them, and, and then you can make your products and your goods. So William Proctor and James Gamble, they took their father-in-law's advice, and thus the company Procter & Gamble was birthed, right? Today, P&G is a multinational consumer goods company that employs more than 100,000 people, has a market cap north of $200 billion, and some of its most successful brands include Crest, Charmin, Gillette, and Head & Shoulders. And to think that this company was started and is still around today because they took the advice of their father-in-law. You know what the moral of the story is? Listen to your father-in-law. You never know what kind of great wisdom or advice he might uh, have for you. A partnership can be defined as an agreement or a covenant or even a treaty. And when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we enter into a covenant with him. We enter into an agreement with him. And, and even a treaty that uh, uh, the Bible says that before we came to Christ, uh, we were at enmity. We were at war with God. Our rebellious nature fought and resisted God. But when we submitted and we received Jesus Christ, there's a peace that is made between us and God through his son. And there's a promise that he gives us. If you think it's a Amazing that God would want to partner with us, that God would want to be a partner with you and I in, in, in the different aspects of our lives. Uh, but if you read the Bible through Genesis and from Genesis to Revelation, God has always been partnering with his people. He partnered with Adam and Eve in the garden. He partnered with Noah as he built the ark. He even gave him the, uh, the specifications and which wood to use. He partnered with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob uh, throughout their lives, uh, uh, partnering him and using him to establish his covenant uh, with his uh, creation. He was with Moses and Aaron in Egypt, uh, partnering with them as they, they were uh, laboring to see the deliverance of, of God's people. 
He was with the priests and the prophets and the judges uh, as they led his people. Uh, he was with David throughout all of his uh, conquests and all of his victories. He was with the disciples, partnering with them uh, when they were given the commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he partners with you and I, church, as we continue to fulfill that calling. D.L. Moody said this. He said, if your partner, if God is your partner, then make your plans big. If God is your partner, then make your plans big in your marriage. If God's your partner, then make your plans big in your family. If he's your partner, make your plans big uh, in your career, in your education, in your calling, in your ministry. Don't uh, settle and, and, and don't limit what God can do in your life, but make those plans big. Singles, make your plans big, man. Don't settle for less than what God has for you, because God wants to give you the best. It's, your, your spouse may not be perfect, but it'll be the best spouse for you. I like what Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 12 through 12 says. I've entitled this message, uh, Promises, promises. And in the book of Jeremiah, we, I, there's a promise that is given to you and I. I remember that uh, when my wife and I, we were uh, uh, courting, uh, she read me the scripture. She gave me the scripture. And it's been a scripture that we've uh, built our, our home on. We, we built a foundation on. And it says this, um, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and bring you home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days you will pray and I will listen. You will find me when you seek me, if you look for me in earnest. Yes, says the Lord, I will be found by you. And I will end your slavery and restore your fortunes. And I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you back home again to your own land. If we can pray tonight, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word that your word brings, Father. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that even now, Father God, you are ministering, Father God, that you've, uh, Lord, been here, Lord, all since the prayer room, Father God, establishing your presence and establishing your will, Father God. I ask and pray, Lord, that we would be here with open hearts uh, and open ears, attentive to what your spirit would say, Father God. And ask and pray that you would encourage your people tonight, God. Stir them, Father God, Lord, and remind us, Father God, Lord, that you are the ultimate promise keeper, Father God. Lord, we bless your name, Father. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. You ever make a promise to a young child? You ever promise them you're going to take them to McDonald's? And as soon as you're going home, look, Dad, there's a McDonald's right there, Right? If you ever promise them Disneyland, you better get ready to take out a loan because uh, you are going to have to take them to Disneyland. Why, why is that? It's because that young child, they take you at your word. You, you're, you're telling them something. You're making a promise. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this. Even if they're young, even if they're like two years old, uh, you might say, yes, yes, I'll, do, I'll take care of that. And you might think they might forget about it. Their memories are like elephants. They will not forget truth is, is that if you make a promise to anyone, regardless of age, you should keep that promise. You should make sure that you do everything in your 
uh, abilities to make sure that you keep your word and keep your promise. And, and why is that? It's because uh, it's your character that counts. It's you're, you're saying, I can be a person, a man or woman of my word, and you can rely on what I'm saying. Someone said this. says, people with good intentions make promises. People with good character keep them. And that's the truth today. When it comes to the promises of God, we know and we understand uh, that uh, God will come through with uh, which he has promised you. Sometimes we have experienced, we might have experienced a, a broken promise in our life. The disappointment that comes with having a promise unfulfilled, uh, the disappointment uh, and even the frustration when someone says, I promise to do this or I promise to never do this again. And they keep doing it and they keep doing it. And you feel like, man, this person isn't uh, trustworthy. Uh, they're just setting me up for a, a hurt. And, and it's unfair that we would take that standard and put it upon God and upon the promises of God. That we would say, man, you know, I, I don't know if I can believe the promises of God because I've been so hurt and I've been so burned so many times. Can I tell you that God is not a man, that God doesn't burn his people, that God doesn't burn his children. And the reason is, it's because God cannot lie. The book of Numbers 23:19. I'm going to go through, through seven scriptures really quick. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent 1 Samuel 15, 29, and also the strength of Israel will not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Psalms 92, 15, to declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Romans 3, 4, indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, God which cannot lie, promised before time began. And in Hebrews 6.18, it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. These are all promises that we can uh, uh, take to heart, that we can grab onto and who God is and the nature of God. That is that he is, if he says something, if he promises something in his word, he will fulfill it. This past Sunday, uh, Pastor Richard was preaching a message about being more than the conquerors, and he touched on the promises of God, and he says that God takes an oath on his righteousness. There's none greater than God. There is none greater than God. And so when God says, I make a promise to you, uh, it's because of his righteousness and because he cannot lie that he will fulfill that promise. Book of 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us. For he cannot disown us who are a part of him. And he will always carry out his promises to us. That's a promise right there. That's a promise that even when we struggle and even when we lack that faith, uh, you know, God cannot deny himself. And God says, uh, I'm still going to do what I promised in your life. Uh, even if you're going through those struggles and even if you're going through that uh, testing of faith, uh, you can count that God is faithful to his word, to his promises. See, in this partnership that we have with God, God is the stronger partner and we are the weaker partner. 
You know, when, a, when businesses would merge or when a partnership or, uh, would begin to be formed, uh, they come to that table, right? And this is, uh, they say, what, can, what are you bringing to the table? And the business would say, uh, these are our assets uh, and these are our strengths, but these also are, are our liabilities, And when we come to the table, right, to the table that God prepares for us, that table of salvation, when we make that covenant, that agreement, that partnership with God, uh, we come to God and and we give him everything that we have, right? Yes, our strengths, but we also give him our weaknesses. We also give him that which we struggle with and that which we hurt with and that which we maybe wrestle with. And in return, what does God give us? He gives us his resources, man. He gives us his strength. He gives us his mercy. He gives us his love. He gives us his wisdom. He gives us his guidance. Uh, He gives us his provision. Uh, The list can go on and on and on and on. He's the stronger partner in this relationship. He promises to hear our prayers in Isaiah 65, 24. He says, I will answer them before they even call me. And while they are still talking to me about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. What a promise that we have from God that even before we finish our prayer, God is saying, I'm going to answer that already. I'm already moving on your behalf. That should excite and stir you, man, that God hears your prayers and he sees the heart and he says, rest, son and daughter. man, I've got this. He forgives us of our sins when we, are, when we confess our sins. He turns our tragedies into triumphs. Uh, Romans 8.28, we know this scripture, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That God would turn those tragedies, uh, those disappointments in our lives, and he, and he would turn them into triumphs. I was reminded of this story as a young man told me, and this was years ago, that uh, uh, this, this young man, he's, he's older now, but uh, at the time, his car had gotten stolen. And naturally, he would be disappointed, right? You ever had your car stolen or broken into? Oh, man, that feeling is one of the worst in the world. And his car was stolen. And after some time, I guess he got a call from the police that they had found his car. So I remember I had my van stolen and when they found it man they thrashed it they thrashed it you know so i could imagine what he might have been thinking but when he got his car he realized that the thief had made some improvements and some upgrades to his car the thief put new tires on that car and he upgraded the sound system man what a blessing man that here's this young man, his car gets stolen. He's thinking, man, what am I going to do? And his car gets returned to him, not just in the condition that it was in or worse, but it comes with upgrades now. He had these flashy rims and a sound system. That's the God that we serve. That no matter what the devil would try to take from us, uh, God says, that doesn't belong to you, devil. That's theirs. All that the locusts have devoured, the Bible says, God will return to us. Sometimes I say, God, return it, and with interest, Lord. He's the provider. He provides our spiritual and physical needs. The Bible says that he never leave us or forsake us. These are promises. He promises to strengthen and to comfort us. He promises to equip us and to quicken us. 
And he promises to protect us. And he promises to be with us during times of temptation. That's an awesome promise right there. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 10, 13 is that, uh, listen, I know, man, that we live in a world that's falling. And there's times where, man, the, 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 the influence of the world, man, it, it, it wears on a person. And there might be things in your life that you might be struggling with. There might be habits or addictions that you might be wrestling with. And the devil would lie and say, you're the only one, man. How can you come into the house of God with, when you think the way you think or what you do what you do? Man? But you're not. For God came to seek and save that which was lost, man. We're all sinners, man. And God always, always makes a way, always is faithful, the Bible says, man. You want to uh, receive a deliverance. You want to see, man, a breakthrough in your life. You're going to have a chance at the end of this uh, service. It's going to be found right here at the altar. He says, God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with temptation will also make the way of escape. Oh, that's an awesome promise right there, man. That you don't go through your trial alone. That you don't go through that thing that you're wrestling with alone. You can partner with the Holy Spirit of God who will equip you, who will strengthen you, and who will be able to give you a way of escape through whatever it is that you're wrestling with tonight. Let me tell you that the promises of God, they're not for the world. The world can't claim these promises. The world can't say these promises are for them. The promises of God belong to his children. They belong to the believer. They belong to the one that has received Jesus as the Lord and Savior, man. He promises to keep us when we build on, on his foundation. Man. He promises us to never leave us or forsake us when we put our trust in him and not fear. He promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we cannot contain when we are faithful with the tithe and the offering. That's a promise from God right there. He promises to give us wisdom and guidance and direction when we ask for it. He promises to open doors when we knock. And can I tell you that when he opens those doors, walk through those doors, man. He promises to save us when we call upon the name of his son, Jesus Christ, man. And I tell you this right now, man. We got to remember what God has promised us. We got to remember what God has spoken to us. And we got to remember, man, that that Bible says that those promises in Jesus, they are yes and amen. That we can hold on to those promises right there. We claim those promises, man. Not because we deserve them, but because of God's grace and of his goodness. Because he's the father, man. And he loves his children. And he loves to bless his children. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able to do exceedingly above measure beyond what we can imagine or think. And oftentimes we say, Lord, I just, uh, if you can do this in my life. If you can maybe open this door or if you can uh, make a way for me. And God says, I got so much more for you. Expand uh, those tents, man. Uh, man, really seek God and believe him sometimes for what the, uh, what the world would say is impossible because it's not impossible with God. 
Bible says that he had a plan for us before we were even born. He knew us. There's a plan that he's already written out for each and every one of us, man. There's something good that he has in store for each and every one of us here. We have um, a quick commercial here. We have uh, Prayer Central uh, the first Friday of every new month. So this Friday, we're going to have Prayer Central. And I love Prayer Central. I, I, it's, uh, it's, uh, you come in and you just are able to just pray, man. Get into a place where just uh, you're, you're praising God, you're worshiping God, and you're bringing your needs before God. And we pray for about an hour, and right at that hour break um, comes, which I think is one of the best parts of Prayer Central, and that's the testimonies. We do a corporate prayer, but uh, before we do that, uh, people give testimonies about what God has done in their lives. And you hear people giving praise reports about how God opened the door for a job or how God opened the door for a home or how God opened the door for finances uh, or how God uh, just moved. Or, you know what, a real popular one it sometimes seems is that God put a check in the mail for people. Man. You always hear, like, I got a check in the mail. Man. And I do this. I got, I, man, I take that. You hear people testifying about healing about what God has done in their bodies and in their lives, or healing that they were praying for someone, and and God miraculously did what the doctor said couldn't be done and made a miracle happen. And those are awesome testimonies that stir our faith and encourage us and bless us. And it's good to pray for these things, man. It's good to pray for an open door, a house, or a job, something that you might need, but... We don't take it home with us. When I say home, we don't take it to heaven with us. And God is a healer. He's the healer. He, he, the, the Bible says the blood of Jesus is the stripes of Christ that brings healing in our lives. Right? By his stripes, we're healed. But the truth is, is that one day we're going to exchange this body for a new body in heaven. Right? And the testimonies that really stir me. The testimonies that really speak to me are when people say, I was praying for my loved one and they're saved. I was praying for my child, my prodigal, and now they're in the house of God serving them. I was praying for my husband or my wife, and now they're here. That's a promise fulfilled because I believe that uh, the only thing we are going to take to heaven with us are the people that we bring to Jesus, the people that we encourage, the people that we say, hey, Come and follow me, right? We need to hold on to those things. And parents, husbands, whoever you might be in this place, don't stop praying for your your loved one. Don't stop believing the promises of God for that one that you've been crying out for. Because God wants to do something. And can I tell you that God is so faithful to his promises, man that he'll even answer him after you've left and gone on to be with him. Man. I, I, I love this story about my, uh, my grandmother. When she was um, on her deathbed, she was talking to Jesus. She was having a conversation with him on her deathbed. And she was asking him, she was telling him that she was, she was ready to go, but she was asking him, take care of my kids. Simple prayer. I got saved. My mom got saved. 
My brother got saved. My aunt got saved. My uncle got saved. My cousin got saved. God was faithful to his promises that this dying woman, he answered her prayers, man. That's the God that we serve. And so you're thinking, I've been praying for my kid. I've been praying for my husband. And I don't see anything taking place. Uh, but God's not done with them yet. Man. God is still moving in their lives. We need to hold on to the promises of God. man. I tell you this, we need to hold on to it with everything. If someone was to give you that winning lottery ticket, we don't play the lotto here, but if somebody hypothetically was to give you a winning lottery ticket, right, you would look at that ticket, and you know what you would do? You would grab that ticket, man, and you would hold on to it. And someone would say, let me see that, and you'd say, no, this is my ticket, man. Why? Because you understand that that ticket comes with the promise that as soon as you cash that ticket in, you're going to be a rich man or woman, right? The promises of God are greater than any lottery ticket that, he, that we can be given. The promises of God, man, are greater than that. And we need to hold on to those promises and not let them go. The Bible says that our household will be saved. In the book of Acts Chapter 16, verses 30 and 31. It's the story of the jailer, Paul and Silas. They had been arrested and beaten, and they were put in a prison. And they had been worshiping God all night, and they had been uh, praising God. And all of a sudden, there was a, that earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison, and the prisoners were set free. And the jailer, thinking that uh, he, he was going to be killed. He was going to commit suicide. And Paul and Silas, uh, they stopped him. They began to minister to him. And in verse uh, 30, he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. You and your household, man. I stand on that promise. And I understand and each and every one of us has to make our own personal decision for Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us uh, will have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And each and every one of us will one day stand before God and have to give an account as to what we did with his son Jesus. But I hold on to this, this promise here that as long as I'm standing in the gap and praying, and fasting, and believing, and bringing my loved ones before God, uh, whether that God is going to honor that, that God is going to make a way, that God is going to bring that gospel message to each and every one of them numerous times, time after time after time, because the Bible promises that. Somebody was praying for me, my grandmother, my aunt, because I was running from God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I and no matter where I turned, there he was waiting for me. The hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit would constantly be convicting me because there was someone praying for me. And that person that you're praying for, that, that loved one that you're interceding for, God is doing something there right, right, right here, right now. Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise that we can hold on to. But you know what? We need to teach our children to believe in the Lord Jesus. 
in our deeds and in our examples and in our word. We just can't leave it up to the Royal Rangers or the nursery or the impact. Uh, we as parents, we need to be teaching our children to believe in Jesus. When you see your child going through something, teach them, hey, have you prayed, man? Have you asked God about that? Have you asked God to help you with that? Deuteronomy chapter 6, 5 through 7. Read verse 7 now. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We need to talk to our children about the promises of God. That the promises of God isn't just for mom and dad, but it's for them as well. No matter how old they are, that they can hold on to the promises of God and that they can stand firm on those promises of God. And young people... Young adults, can I tell you, man, don't let the devil rob you from the promises that, he's, that God has given you. That, that uh, you might say, well, you know what, uh, that's from my parents, uh, that's from my grandparents. Uh, whatever you try to look for in the world, you will fall short. You will never, ever be able to measure up to the promises that God has for you. I think sometimes too many Christians, they live beneath their privileges. See, there's a privilege in being saved, man. And that we can claim those promises, no matter where we're at or whatever's going on, that we have an instant access into the throne room of God. God isn't the problem. God is not the problem. God has made every provision possible for us to continue, to keep on keeping on, as they used to say, right? Still do. No matter how hard the struggle gets, and get it, it gets hard. The struggle is real, as they say. The Bible says that God's faithful. His mercies are new every morning. That's a promise. You had a bad day? Sometimes I can't wait to go to bed. I want the day to be over. Because I know in the morning, hey, restart, man. And even if those problems are going to still be there, those mercies are brand new and they endure forever. man. We got to remember that we're in a partnership with God. God has already done his part. We'll continue to do our part. We need to do our part, and that's staying faithful, obeying the word of God, letting the word of God be hidden within our hearts. God is the captain of our ship here. We're the sailors. He's our general. He's our commander-in-chief. We're his faithful soldiers. As I ask the worship team to come up, as I wind this down, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's a promise, man. So many times I think that uh, uh, the blessing is right around the corner, and, and sometimes it gets hard, and that's when people say, I'm done, I quit, I can't go no more. But that's when the blessing is right there within grasp. And the Bible says that if you don't grow weary, if you don't grow tired, if you continue to do good, if you continue to seek God, uh, you will reap it, man. All those years of service and all those years of prayer and all that sacrifice, it's not in vain. Uh, God says, I have that blessing for you. That's a promise from me to you. I have a, a coworker. And he likes to come into my office and, and chat with me from time to time. Um, 
And he has a, a son that just graduated um, high school. And so now he's in boot camp. He, after high school, he joined the uh, army and uh, he's in boot camp right now. So he'll come in and he'll share with me about, uh, about his son and he'll share his concerns with me. He's like, Manny, I raised my son in a Christian home, church, a Christian school. He says, and I'm just concerned that, um, you know, his personality might change. These are legitimate, honest feelings of a father. He says, I'm concerned that maybe, uh, you know, he might struggle in his faith. I'm concerned that maybe um, he might forget about God. So I you know, encourage him. We talk. And the other day he comes into my office and he shows me this letter. It was written by his son. And his son is basically, you know, dad, I'm boot camp. It's, you know, I'm getting through it. They're loud. They yell a lot, you know, but, you know, God's with me. And he says, the other day, we went on this hike. This is uh, two, three miles. I'm not sure what the distance was, but it was full gear, right? Full gear, 25 pounds worth of equipment on their back and through rough terrain. So it might have been two miles, but it might as well have been, you know, 26.2 miles, right? And he's saying, the son is saying that as he, they were uh, marching, he began to get tired. And his legs began to get weak. And he said, all of a sudden, he started thinking about this scripture that he remembered from when he was a child. And that scripture was Isaiah 40, 31. And he, keep, he kept repeating this to himself. I shall run and not be weary. I shall walk and not faint. And he would continue to just repeat that word. I shall mount up with wings like eagles. I shall run and not be weary weary I shall walk and not faint here is this young man 18 19 years old man and the promises of God are real for him that when he was felt that physical struggle what did he turn to the word of God and he began to claim that word for himself I shall run and not grow weary he says dad before I knew it that hike was over his dad was so excited, man. He was so, he was like, look at that. Look what he wrote. He said he went to his pastor. He went to uh, the teachers at the school. And he was like, thank you. Thank you for all the investment that you've put into my child, man. Can I say, man, we serve a good God, man. And we're in a good church that invests into our promise, our, our, our next generation, our young sons and sons and daughters, man. That God, man, is moving even in their young lives. Lastly, 1 Corinthians 2.9. says, but as it is written, as it is written, underline that in your Bible. Underline the word written. I wrote this. When something is written, it is there, it's, when something is written, there is a thought, an idea, a message communicated. One writing is declaring a statement that they have had time to review and approve. It is there for us as a reference, as a guide, and proof of what the author had in mind. God has given us that spoken word that thus saith the Lord, but he's given us his written word. He's given us his written word, and, and, and sometimes when we can't hear that voice of God, if we turn to his written word, we can hear that still small voice, man. 
And God will begin to reveal the promises that he has for you and I. And when, we, when the enemy lies and says, that's not for you, no, it is for me. It is for me. Because I belong to God and I'm a child of God. And he says right here in his words, he shall supply all my need. He says right here in this word, he shall never leave me nor forsake me. It says right here in his word, I shall run and not grow weary. Shall walk and not faint, man. Those are the promises that we hold on to, man. Those are the promises that when the rubber meets the road, as they say, that we grab onto. And those are the promises that we hold on to because those are the promises that will carry us through the rest of our lives until we be with Jesus. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Ooh, God's got some good things prepared for you and I, man. As individuals, uh, as married couples, uh, as a family, as a church, here in Norwalk, God has some awesome things prepared for you and I, man. And we haven't even began to scratch the surface, I believe. We haven't even began to imagine or think of what God is going to do, but his Bible promises us that he has got something prepared for us. God, we understand, is faithful, man. He's not a man that he should lie. Get that out of your head. You might have been burned, but God won't. If we could have our heads bowed and our eyes closed in reverence to God tonight.